Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody. Two guys at a mic show back at you. Beautiful Monday here in the fine city of Chicago. Hope everybody out there had a outstanding weekend. Sports end or otherwise, we are with you right up until 11 o'clock talking sports and more. That's right. We'll jump off the sports page early and often here in the two guys and a mic show, but uh, plenty, plenty of sports to talk about. My goodness, everything from baseball to the Kunkakev Cup. To a little LPGA golf, to Wimbledon, the NHL draft. We got all kinds of stuff going on. How we're going to talk about it in the next 58 minutes and 12 seconds, I do not know, but we will be brave in the attempt. And while we're brave in the attempt, we'll listen to the music, the outstanding award winning music of the Talk Zone. The dulcet tones of the talkzone.com bringing you in on another week of uh, semi award winning programming here on the two guys at a mic show, talkzone.com. Again, thank you for taking a little bit of time out to join us and uh, lots of sports to talk about. It is myself and, of course, the big dog, Joel Redwanski, who you never know what the big dog does over the weekend anytime he joins us live and in person Monday at 10. We figured it's a good weekend. Big dog, how are you? And please tell me you were uh, safe. And somewhat legal this weekend. Um, most of the time legal, but very good. Uh, not exactly safe, coach. Uh oh. What happened? Um, I got a I got a really really interesting story about you know I was doing the, the waterriders. dot com, give okay. the tours along the uh, kayak and along the Chicago River. Okay. Over a thousand people this year have done it. Two hundred and fifty on my watch. Wow. Nobody went in. Nice. Well, uh, Let's just say I had to reverse the kayak, go as fast as I possibly could, because some a man overboard oh, boy. fell out on on, uh, on uh, Sunday, yesterday, uh-huh. <laughs> as a matter of fact. Yeah. But, uh, it was, we got to the guy, got him out, okay? And I, I like, before we go out with everybody, you know, I do the whole introduction, blah, blah, blah. Everybody starts laughing. They give the applause. But I'm like, hey, if anybody goes over and they get really serious, I'm like, you've got to remain calm and listen to me. I was like, and you will be fine. I was like, I will get to you. Don't worry. I was like, but don't worry. It's not going to happen. Everybody laughs. You know, you'll get a little wet. Just don't get really wet. Mm-hmm. Next, you know, right outside the Civic Opera House in the middle of the river. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to seem like I'm. I'm being like racist here, Coach, or stereotypical. Mm-hmm. I won't say what type of guy that it was, but in the 15 years we've had. I think something like they said, like nine people flip out of the boat in the 15 years. It's not bad. Eight of them, all but one, were of one specific race. Interesting. And they, they tour here from overseas. Uh-huh. Okay. A lot of tourists. Okay. They, a lot of them lose their cameras. But it, and it's always the men. It's never a woman. Interesting. And like the, the women of those races typically are the best at it. It's unbelievable. Uh-huh. Like you get these like hundred pound women that are going like ninety miles an hour on the thing. Now is each per there are two people per kayak or is it one per kayak? Uh, it depends. It's either single or double. double single or never double. flip. They, uh-huh. The double kayak will never flip. Right. The single ones though, you know, if you're out there uh-huh. thinking that you're Rambo and you're you know, <laughs> acting like a nutcase is one of your buddies and he rams into the side of your kayak. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> <laughs> 
I hate those reckless kayakers in the Chicago uh, River. They're a danger to us all. Well, it was because these two guys were totally messing around, okay? And then oh, one okay. of them rammed into his buddy's kayak when he was a little off balance after a gigantic uh, wake, and he was like, oh, I'm a great kayaker. Mm-hmm. you know. And, and he had really never done it. He just wanted the real fast and, like, like fuck okay. you. Okay, you see what I'm getting at? So this, so this was not simple human error. This was done out of recklessness and carelessness, kind of screwing around a little bit after you as a, an award-winning uh, leader or tour director had given a long lecture about not messing around in these uh, kayaks. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, have fun. I was like, these, these can be dangerous. You know, listen to me. Everybody's doing a great job. So I'm not so concerned. You know, I'm leading all I can because we take turns, like the guy in front of me and back. So I just want to make see everybody do it to make sure they're doing it properly. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we get over there, and everything we told the guy to do, he did, Coach. You know, because I came over to him, and then, like, right before I got to him, I was like, I'm going to help you out of there, but you better not flip my boat, okay? You know, so and he's like, okay, okay. And we, and everything, because you have to, like, get him back. You have to flip his boat, and then you got to get a couple boats around his boat to hold it steady, okay? Mm-hmm. And then you got to get him to, like, lift himself into the boat and flop his butt into it. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't go in feet first, head first. You got to, like, jump flop into the boat. And you got to do this, like, with, you know, like she, he can't jump from the bottom of the river up. You know what I mean? It's let's, pretty- let's, let's put it this way. It's a lot easier to tip the boat than to get back into it. <laughs> yes. That, that, that we can take for certain. And uh, he, there was so much water in the boat mm-hmm. that when he tipped in, it was starting to sink. So we had to get all our bilge pumps and start pumping this guy out. <laughs> so I mean, it happened pretty quick. Like afterwards, when we got done, first of the, the guy was like, I was like, you, are you going to, do you want to go back? And he's like, no. He's like, this, this is great. I'm having a blast. <laughs> he got done. He's like taking pictures. He thought it was fun. Uh, that was one of my next questions. You know, he may have gone overboard, but did he save the camera? Uh, well, no, he, he didn't have, he didn't have a camera. Oh, okay. I'm sure, I'm sure the rest of his friends did. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I think they knew. They, they weren't even surprised by this guy's actions. What was the age of this particular individual? My guess would be 28. Ah, uh, you see, a youngster. <laughs> Coach, by 28, I finally I had learned uh, by then I didn't want to end up in the Chicago room. No, you didn't. Who are you kidding? I knew you when you were 20. We we first started doing radio, and you were, you'd be you would have been exactly that guy tipping your canoe over. Who are you kidding? Tip well, a canoe and Tyler too, or the kayak in this case. Since, since at that point I had already kayaked at least 15 times in my life and hadn't yet t- tipped one over, mm-hmm. and that was after consuming copious amounts of alcohol which i will never do again okay yeah i don't think i would have been tipping my canoe at 20 i took way too much pride in doing being able to do stuff correctly you are a very how do i gently put this you are very youthful 28 i'm not going to say immature i'm going to call it a youthful 28 i would have to say i'm a youthful 38 too uh, i would agree although you know having done this show together for eight nine years you are aging somewhat rapidly last couple of years in particular i've noticed a rather sad level of maturity coming over you I hope I'm, I haven't a, been a bad influence. I think it's a realization. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> As you get near 40, that happens, big dog. Yeah, eventually, sometimes they better settle down. Yeah. A nice girl. You, uh, know what I mean? like you, can, you can only climb the mountain so long. At some point, you reach the peak and start down on the other end. Well, well I want to make sure, I want to be 100% positive that I'm actually going downhill before I settle down, Coach. It's true. That is true. What a waste. What a waste. Yeah. I want to make sure I maximize my capabilities. If you, yeah. don't want to talk. you don't want to start heading down the mountain and look up and realize, ah, 
I never quite reached the top. You're right. That would be as close as you come. That would be an absolute shame. And let me remind you and all of our listeners that be nice. Be nice to the people on your climb up because you're going to see those same people on the way back down, Big Dog. Speaking of that, thank you very much. That, um, recently, a guy was <laughs> climbing Mount Everest and and got to the top, and you know his friend had had been lost, and he hadn't, you know, he was lost climbing Everest, so he was in tribute going up to Mount Everest to climb it in order to uh, basically tribute his friend that had been di- that died going up there because they had lost him. He yeah. got to the top, he found his buddy up there. Wait, I'm a little lost on this one now. Just just by sheer coincidence, they came across his friend who had died? Well, he, I mean, he thought it might be a remote possibility. He considered it, but uh-huh. he didn't really think about it. You know, I mean, it was like, it's Mount Everest, a pretty big mountain. You know, that's why it's, uh, well, when he gets up to the top, his buddy was there. He uh, basically tied the ripcord around him, stuck him in, and, 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 and uh, somebody else had done this. Somebody else had found him. Wow. Previously, like... And they basically have him hang in there, mm-hmm. hang there forever, because he's totally frozen. It's so cold. You know what I mean? So he's so he's like hanging, not in effigy, but hanging in honor from Mount Everest. Yes, exactly. that's unbelievable. That's that that even that that by far trumps the kayak story. Well, I would hope so. That's what we holy macro true story. I, I, I read the Drudge Report every day. I probably should start bringing up all these stories that they have. Uh-huh. Wow, I'm just blown. I'm blown away by this stuff. That's unbelievable. So they just come across, you're climbing up the mountain in honor, not just a mountain, but Mount Everest in honor of your fallen comrade who died on the climb up there. And you reach the pinnacle of it, and there he is, Jimmy. Mm -hmm. I found you. So at least you know we made it. That guy, the guy who died was 28. Oh, boy. The guy who found him was 44, and they had done all these different things, like Kilimanjaro. Mm -hmm. They had done a bunch of really big climbs together. Mm Mm-hmm. And they didn't do, they were going to do Everest, and so he got one guy does it by himself. And by the way, he wasn't able to get to him. He just saw him where he was hanging. He wasn't able to get to him. Mm-hmm. So uh, it wasn't like he was able to touch him or anything. He wanted to get all of his stuff, like the notes and stuff that he might have wrote to, like, his family out. But he right. was able, you know, obviously he can't get to him because he's hanging in a spot that, Oof. you know, you'll never, no one will ever be able to get to him. Mm. So. Wow. Absolutely amazing. I did, uh, I climbed... Over the weekend, I did climb Meadow Hill Park Toboggan Hill. You'd be very proud of me. At the end of my walk, I did about you know five or six laps up and down the uh, Meadow Hill Park Toboggan Hill. Not quite Mount Everest, but uh, nevertheless a heck of a climb, Big Doug. I know you're proud of me. Now, Coach, is that the same park that is like a pretty big hill and on the south side there's like a trail all the way up to the top? And then a, then a hill that goes right down? Waukegan. It's right off of Waukegan Road in beautiful downtown uh, Northbrook. I'm pretty sure I have, yeah. I have, well, when I was, is it pretty close to the, that, the, where the Talk Zone Studios are right now, just north of it? Just, uh, yeah, uh, exactly. Four miles? Yes. Away? Okay. Well, that would be it. When I worked at that Valley Total Fitness there, I used to mm-hmm. run that once a week. And I would, yeah. like, legitimately bring people out there. Yeah. And I, that was, like, well, you're right, when I was a little more youthful, like, three or four years ago, I wish I could do it every day now, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a car to go work out like I used to. Uh, but, um. Yeah, Coach, I used to run, we used to bring like 10 people out there and see who would collapse by that. So <laughs> I, I think about it, and I put people through conditioning drills that I didn't even go through during like triple days in, oh, yeah. in football. I'm yeah. not kidding you. Like people were puking and stuff when they go out there. If you're a football coach, no better place to hold practice than when there's a hill nearby. And if you're a football player, that's the last place you want to practice, anywhere uh, near a hill. Coach, at, at the old, beautiful McMurray Stadium, yep. 
we had an unbelievable, massive, massive hill behind our stadium. Mm-hmm. So like all like the uh, anybody who was 21 that could drink alcohol in college, instead of going into the stadium, they would just stay on this hill behind the stadium. <laughs> and, yeah. But I, I got to... We had the worst practice facility of all time. There was no shade to get in. Oh, boy. We were in a valley with trees all the way around. I am not kidding you, Coach. And it was so humid down there. It was, like, usually, like, 100 degrees warmer in our little section. I mean, like, it was, like, 10 degrees warmer. It was always, like, 100 during the summer. Mm -hmm. Because just the way it was blocked up, we got no breeze whatsoever. None. For an entire football practice, the whole year we didn't get any breeze. No breeze, no shade, and a large hill. That. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a good combination if you're a football player. And then a walk a distance up the valley, the side of the valley, which Oof. is a hill. It was funny. Our football field was legitimately 150 feet lower than our campus that was a half mile away. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds like our, Lambeau Field in Green Bay. Or, kind of that sunken like, stadium effect. Very cool, actually. Okay. Well, uh, it's the only problem is so we're in the bottom of a hill. Mm-hmm. We're in the bottom of a valley. Our, our name was the Highlanders. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with that picture, huh? Yeah, exactly. You know, Welcome to Highlander Stadium. Meanwhile, your seats are like 40, 40 uh, levels below below uh, normal ground level. I, I remember one day we leave, a, we leave a football game. We have like a bye week, so we won't have a home game for like two weeks. And as the game has ended, a torrential central Illinois downpour starts. Mm-hmm. I'm a freshman. And I remember somebody being like, I hope our field is here tomorrow. I'm like, <laughs> what's going on? Well, I'm not kidding you. The next day up to like the second row of seats, our entire football field was flooded. I mean, how many feet is that? Because they're, they're elevated seats. It was under 12 feet of water. I'm like, oh, we're the Highlanders. This is great. You know, it was like Venice, a football stadium in Venice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. The Highlanders, huh? Yeah. I love that. I love that. The McMurray Highlanders, Division Three football at its finest. Big dog and a coach. Bringing it to you up until 11 o'clock here again, a Monday version of the Two Guys at a Mic Show. We'll be with you right uh, all week, every day, each and every day, five days a week, one hour a day, five in total. Lots going on in the city of Chicago. we got Taste of Chicago today, Big Dog. Uh, not just today, but it's been going on all week. I don't know if you're going to get down there or not, but uh, all kinds of city events going, including Wrigley Fields. The uh, beloved Cub will be hosting the Colorado Rocky. Any chance you and your kayaks will be anywhere near... Uh, Taste of Chicago today. Uh, no, I will definitely not be going to Taste of Chicago, Coach. Yeah. No, no offense to the people from Chicago who go there. Mm-hmm. You're just braver than me. Leave that to the people outside of the city of Chicago that at least want to get a taste of some of the great restaurants here. But to, to be honest with you, I do not like. I don't like going there because there's. I, I just would rather go to some of these great restaurants they have mm-hmm. instead of just eating like here and there. And it's yeah. always so crowded, Coach. I'm not good. I got a little anxiety stuff. Like I could actually. Speak in front of a crowd of like sixty thousand. You put me in a room with like fifty people. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I freak out. So all right. Well, you you would not have done well. I finally made uh, you talk. First of all, I like Taste of Chicago. I think it's. Uh, I enjoy the people watching aspect. I enjoy the camaraderie, rubbing elbows and shoulders and other body parts with your fellow comrades of the city of Chicago and. Uh, you know, eating unhealthy food, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, you got a little music to go along with it. And it's, if you go at the right times, it's not that bad. But uh, Taste of Chicago will be going on right through July 4th. But I went to an event, Big Dumb, I'll let David Olson step in in a second. But uh, I went to an event uh, that I've been meaning to go to for many, many years, finally made it. But, David, on the taste? Yeah, on the taste, they don't have music every day now. They're only going to have one day of music. Well, 
Oh, that's no, no. not true. So no, it's it is true. No, it's it not true. true. No, it is true. They no, made that change this year. No, I, I that that part is true. The but the big change is they've gotten rid of all the big name bands that they had to pay tons of money for. Good. We don't need the big name bands. Bring them, but there will be music each and every day. Yeah, there, there's music each and every day. It's just a little bit toned down, but they still got stages. There'll be some local music, and I think there's like theme music each and every day. The city, because of its budget constraints, uh, you know, they can't do their country fest this year. They did the blues fest, but a couple other music, gospel fest, I think, got canceled. So they're picking one day, you know, like Tuesday will be gospel fest day at, at the taste. So still music, but it's not, you know, to me, big dog. Who cares what the big bands? I don't need the big bands. Well, yeah, I don't need them either. But you know, uh, plenty of local talent in Chicago that can entertain the fans. Oh, there definitely is. Yeah, there definitely is. So, um, you know, that's the taste of Chicago. Might as well get all the Chicago local bands mm-hmm. out there. You know, that sounds that sounds even better. But I don't want to go there, Coach. But I, I mean, followed I your lead, but you'd be very proud of me. I followed your lead. By the way, any fans out there? Any folks out there? And again, we're a little bit of Chicago based on the show. I apologize. Sometimes we get. To Chicago Conscious here, our show is a uh, national internet show here. In fact, international, Big Doug, your voice, your opinions, your thoughts, your kayak story, and Mount Everest story were heard in seven different continents and also parts of Colorado as well. You know, it's funny you said that because those guys were called the ultimate seven. They wanted to uh, climb the highest peak in all seven continents. Oh, cool. I like that. Yeah, you, you bring it up, Coach. I like that. 888-463-6748, maybe a member. Of the Ultimate Seven is listening to our program. We'd love to hear from you. If you aren't a member and you want to impersonate them or try to come off as one, we we take all comers here, 888-463-6748. But if you try to fake your way through, Big Dog, you're pretty good at recognizing reality from the fake, so uh, be careful. <laughs> I would hate that. Yeah. No, Coach, I have to admit, I, I'm, I'm always more than happy to toot my horn on my strength. No, I'm really <laughs> gullible and naive, and that's the truth. Yeah. It is, it's funny, as I'm a... I'm a skeptic around politics and history and all that mm-hmm. stuff. They're like somebody was trying to tell me, hey, if you come to my house, I'll give you free beer. I believe them. <laughs> oh, hey, I'm going. You know what I'm saying? It's just how I am, Coach. So. Uh-huh. And if and if you're uh, if the female says, come on over to my house, my parents aren't home, you believed her too? Oh, I was there. Why did Barbie, why did your dad answer the door? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, but Big Dog, I think you did this two or three years ago, and I remember listening to you talk about it. I said, I got to go uh and, and i've been thinking about doing it for eight nine ten years to become one of the biggest events in the city of chicago i could not find anybody that was willing to go so like a real strange weird individual went by myself yesterday to one of chicago's great events what am i talking about doug uh you're, you're talking about the gay pride parade coach yeah you know what it, it, it's, it's just the pride parade yes they really there was very little of the word gay it's called it's the pride parade or pride fit. Pride was clearly the word that was mentioned. Very few people called it the gay pride. Aren't you proud of me, though? Got in my suburban car, drove down to the city, and walked into the huge crowd by myself to go experience the pride parade. Aren't you proud of me? No, I, I am, Coach. And, and I, like a father and a son. You've been like a father to me when it comes to taking chances and stuff. And I, uh, I followed your advice, Fatherly Joel. Well, I, I'm glad you did. Now, I hope you took the camera, and I want to know, because honestly, <laughs> I think the one of the most hilarious picked, uh, T-shirts I've ever seen was at the, at the Pride Parade. Because I was up in one of the windows watching, uh, you know, and just watching. Oh, uh, wait, wait. You were up at a window? Yeah, it was one of my friends on the house on Halston. Ah, that's weak. That's weak. you got uh, to experience well, a ground fine. level. All right. 
Yeah, I, that's fine. You do, you experience your way. I'll experience mine with margaritas <laughs> and other stuff that I could not walk the streets with. Okay, so I'll leave that one alone. Uh, but the best T-shirt I saw was, I'm not gay, but my boyfriend is. <laughs> so what was the best teacher, T-shirt you saw yesterday? You know, interesting you mentioned that because the best one I saw, and, and it it's not like outwardly funny, but it, I just found it funny. It, it, a guy with big words on his T-shirt that said, heredity sucks. <laughs> Something about that. I, I just kind of enjoyed that was probably probably the best. But boy, oh boy, for a people watcher, you know that's one of my favorite. My my kids call me a stalker. They think I'm some like weird individual. Although I did get a brand new pair of binoculars for Father's Day, so now I can people watch and or stalk in a, in a with better vision. But uh, for people watching, big dog, it doesn't get any better. I mean, the outfits and the characters, not only the people in the parade, but the crowd. It's sometimes oh, yeah. more fun to watch than the people in the parade. It was, it was truly an amazing experience. Yeah, it's, it's an awful lot of fun. I forgot it was yesterday, and so did, uh, so did the, the Filipino nurse who, was, who decided to go get some Filipino groceries yesterday. Mm-hmm. And she was leaving from, like, 1400 Lakeshore Drive and, you know, and, <laughs> and had a cross <laughs> Halstead. It was a really big mistake. <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> oh, her and her complaint about it. Oh, my goodness. That was, that was pretty funny. Yeah. The best uh, part was about two, as I'm walking there, about two blocks away, you got your uh, preacher man. And he had about three or four assistants, and he actually had a stage with the microphone. You know the preacher man I'm talking about, right? Well, the well, sins will get you. Mind. You know, you will be heathen in hell. And you know that 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 guy. We all know that guy. Well, no, there's a bunch of them downtown, though, Coach. Well, you got to describe them a little bit. Wait, is it the African American dude that wears the suit is really short and nope. he's got like the bozo haircut? No, nope. this African- guy was. Uh, he had about three or four assistants, white, silver-haired. Think of a thinner version of Newt Gingrich. That's who he looked like. I have not seen that guy coach, so that's, okay. you know, so. But I stood by, <laughs> I stood there for like 10 minutes. The cops probably thought I was like some undercover guy. There was like about 10 cops, of course, surrounding the stage. But just watching the people pass by and their remarks as he's preaching to them, that I could have put down a chair, had a six-pack of beer. That would have been entertainment enough right there. I would have loved to have seen that because, like, I can't even, because I'll pass guys on the street who are yelling that. Yeah. And, you know, and then uh, just a normal day because, you know, like that one guy that is always up in front of gas <laughs> store on State Street. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my god, that guy is. Ho- I walk past him. You're going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> and I love him. I'm like, yes, yes. You know, like I'll dance in front of the guy. You know, after after he told me I was going to hell one day, I like now I taunt him. Oh, so I would man. have loved to have been there to give that guy a couple. I got to hang out with you more often. You know that. A lot of <laughs> lot of one fingered salutes for the uh, the Newt Gingrich oh. type preacher though. Well, I wouldn't have given one thing, Stingers. I would have answered everything he said. I would have retorted back. And you know I'm the loudest person in the world, Coach. I'm louder than any megaphone yep. ever. That's true. That's true. And the nice thing about you is you don't have to recharge. Well, why don't we just go meet at State Street one day? And I'll just – we go out there and mm-hmm. – State and Washington, Coach, on the on the southeast corner. We might we'll have to do that. And, and uh, you, you will, we'll take pictures of me talking them, okay? <laughs> <laughs> There's a guy that goes around to colleges. Are you familiar with the dude I'm talking about? Uh, you know, there's so many of them, Coach. Who knows? Are there? Is there's, oh, Coach. All right. Well, in the Midwest, there, there's, there's one guy who reigns supreme. And he was doing it when I was at Illinois, a big dog. And that was, man, that was a long, many, many a year ago. I can't, you know, at okay. least 30 years. You'll find a lot more of this in the Midwest, Coach. Wait a minute. Now. Check this out. The, guy, the guy's name is Pre- Jet. 
I'm sure a lot of our college folks out there, if you're listening and uh, you've experienced uh, either in past or if you're currently in college, you know who Jeb, is it Jed or Jeb? I think it's Jed, Preacher Jed. But he goes around to the different college, 888-463-6748. I don't think I put our phone number out there. Feel free to dial it in any of our Weird and dilapidated topics today. You want to jump in now? We'd love to hear from you. Triple eight four six three sixty seven forty eight. Big dog. I swear to you. Went on college visits with my son over spring break. We're at the University of Missouri and in their little uh, center circle area. Uh huh. This guy's preaching, and I look at my wife because she went to University of Illinois too. She remembered the guy, and we go, same guy, the same guy. Thirty years later, he's still going around to the colleges preaching the uh, the gospel, or whatever the hell he's preaching. Well, how does he get the money to do this? That's an interesting question. I don't know. It's not a bad life. I wouldn't mind have tour, been touring the universities of the of the country for the last 30 years. Yeah, well, you and me may do that. That's one of my ideas I had. We may take our talk show to the colleges, sports talk at the, you know, every every college has, what do they call it, a center circle, a student common. There's, there's an area at most colleges, right? Coach, if you mean this, I will... Set up the whole thing, and we can start in, like, uh, October or November. How about uh-huh. that? And we can do it during football and basketball transition. Be an interesting concept. No, that, that, that is a phenomenal concept, Coach. David Olson, any chance you would quit your job here, leave your family, and follow me and the big dog with camera in hand to produce the show? It's only six months away from the kids. Any chance we could pull you away? After my long weekend, Absolutely. <laughs> That's a good answer. Dude. Wow. I'm going out on a limb. <laughs> After taking the kids to the aquarium and taking a day off, spending the, with the two- and four-year-old kids, six months off, not a bad idea. Yeah, no, three days of activities. There you go. You See? know, come, come to think of it, now that I'm th- you know, you know, Dave. I, I have a totally different uh, feel about you after I, we were told the Lincoln Park Zoo story. And it's funny, Coach. You said <laughs> 28 for me, and that was 28 for Dave at the same time. Yep. So, yeah, maybe 28 is the magic number. That's where a man finally decides to, to, to put away the the M80 and, and uh, you know, quit yeah. giving people, like, wet willies and stuff like and that. For those not sure what the big dog was talking about on Thursday's award-winning show, which, by the way, is available via archive, as all our shows are, at thetalkzone.com. Just hit the two guys in a mic, um, uh, whatever the hell it's called, icon, I guess you could call it. <laughs> But uh, the story was something to do with uh, producer extraordinaire David Olson jumping over the fence at the Lincoln Park Zoo to commit uh, a variety of things he shouldn't be doing. Well, I'm sure he wasn't doing the thing where, uh, you know, there was a guy that was found in the Lincoln Park Zoo, and uh, Jonathan Brandmeier made a song about it called Moo Moo, I Love You, I Know You're a Cow, But Anything Will Do. Uh, actually communicating with a, a bovine. Okay, that was not David Olson. Let's make that no, clear. No, it was not. No, and I'm, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be the first one to say the guy producing our show has never had sex with a bovine. <laughs> We didn't do anything illegal except trespass, okay? Okay. Because then it's funny you should mention the the petting zoo because that's where we would get in was through the petting zoo because you got the low fences there. Mm-hmm. So, but do you remember the story that I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I remember the story, yeah. <laughs> okay. See, I just didn't want people that was just making up some disgusting story. I, the guy really got busted doing that. I do not. Yeah, because that's where we would go because you got that lagoon right there behind the children's zoo. Mm-hmm. And we'd, we'd sit on the hill for a couple hours, and this would be like 3, 4 in the morning, and uh, uh, indulge in some uh, different activities, different activities, and then hop the fence and go look at the animals. 
Interesting. All right. So for all the young listeners out there, if you do want to crash late at night into the Lincoln Park Zoo, the petting zoo area is the place to go. Uh, Low fences, yes. And, Dave, just so you're not just throwing you under the bus, just let you know that same lagoon that you're talking about during the afternoon, okay, they would let you uh, take these paddle boats out. Yeah, yeah, the swan boats. What are they called? The swan boats. They look like swans. Okay, Didn't they? like you just paddle them. Okay, well, in the in 1986 and in, in May of '86, they they were just the big, the yellow, ugly ones. And I'm out there with two of my buddies, and we were messing around, and ours sank. And both of us had to jump <laughs> on two of our buddies' boats, and they had to like, they had to paddle us in. <laughs> Nobody had them. We did a good job of paddling in when everybody else was getting off, so we like we were able to get off without them noticing. They took, and they were like, "We're missing a boat." Oh, I, I guess we just overestimated, and they just and we totally got away with sinking a boat right in the middle. How of the, the heck? I'm almost afraid to ask, but how the heck did you sink the boat? Okay, well, we started rocking it. Okay, and I, I, I like stood up and was like jumping on it. I was trying to sink somebody else's boat. They were mm-hmm. gonna sink ours. But to be honest with you, I was being a little bit more rambunctious than everybody else. And next thing you know, we, we started taking on water, and I really didn't care. And, and uh, we got off those boats. You know, those things are tiny, Coach. Okay. You know, those little tiny paddle boats, you're cramped up with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some water gets in those things, it's going down. And uh, so- Bailout! Bailout! Did you try bailing out? I don't know what a bailout is, Coach, but I think I tried oh. pretty much everything. Bailout? You know, try to get the water out of there. Oh, well, we didn't have a bucket. <laughs> 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 we scoop it out with our hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when desperation calls, that's exactly what you do. Big dog and a coach speaking of desperation, trying to uh, get to the sports talk here. Again, our phone lines open, 888-463-6748. Glad you're alive and well, big dog. And uh, we may put that uh, college venture on our uh, – we may have to have a little planning meeting. No, no, no. That, to discuss that. that is extremely doable because, and you contact any particular university, they're going to be like, yeah, yeah, we'll have, we have people in our communications department that'll do that. And if they say no, well, we'll just call up the next university. Oh, Kansas State doesn't want to do it? Okay, we just call the Kansas and Rock Chalk Jayhawk's going to do it. Well, the question is, do we even need to call? Aren't those college student common areas somewhat open? Couldn't we just put, let's, you think not? Right, and not start filming cameras, bringing out cameras and communication mm-hmm. equipment right in the middle of a commons era. Area we we need to contact everybody okay. and we and first See, and foremost even though I, I like the idea of bum rushing a college and just setting up our, our yeah, equipment if it's too planned sometimes that can take some of the adventure out of it but okay but I, I also kind of want us to be promoted so all of a sudden there's sixty thousand people at Ohio uh, nah, I don't know if that's going to happen we might have to no, promote no, ourselves no, when no, we go there and, and you know what the I like the bum rush thought that maybe come into the name I like you know. Uh, Big dog and the coach on the sports bum rush. Okay. Yeah, yeah I like it. It's possible. All right. Well, we'll uh, have your people call my people, and uh, we'll do lunch. Okay. Well, actually, I might be getting myself uh, an Indian agent. <laughs> I'm, not talking about, yeah. I'm not talking about, like, native. Really, when you think about it, everybody in their life, for at least a brief period of time, you haven't experienced life until you've, for a short period, had an Indian agent. I mean, everybody should try it. I, I gotta tell you something. You, whenever, like, I've had to do a lot of stalling in my life. Yep. Whenever, and the, his last name is Patel, and every time I've had a deal with a Patel, I knew I was in for one heck of a negotiation. <laughs> let's just face it. We were throwing out there today. Let's just throw that one out there. And, and, and well, uh, this guy, he, he's like, I will do very well. 
<laughs> okay. The name is Jamin Patel. Over here tonight. Yeah. And we're, we're going to uh, maybe we'll start an association, a relationship. We'll see, coach. Excellent. Excellent. I mean, I mean, seriously, everybody else. Hey, I got a Jewish agent. Passe. I got an Italian agent. Oh, that's so 1980s. You bust out an Indian agent. Whew. You're, you're 20, coach. I'm 10 years ahead of time. Arrow pointing up. It's a good move. Yeah. I like it. I like it. If it works out good, see if uh, Dr. Patel has any extra time. It might be. Uh... Oh, no, no. He's not a doctor, but his dad is. And his mm-hmm. dad is extremely disappointed that he isn't one. <laughs> it's funny you bring that up. All right. That's outstanding. 888-463-6748. Dog, before we get to the baseball, I want to hit on some uh, titillating tidbits, news and notes, a lot of go- going on in the world of sports real quick. You ready to uh, run through it here? Some Just some, some bits and pieces, if you will. You still there? Hello? Yeah. Oh, okay. You ready to go through it? I can go through baseball, but you got to... No, 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 no. I said we're going to save baseball for the end. I want to get to the titillating tidbits, news and notes, bits and pieces, and run through those real quick, because a lot happened in the world of sports. Uh, well, a bunch was going on while I was out on the Chicago River kayak. Right, well, let me some fire some out at you while you were saving somebody. Let us not forget that, saving a, a drowning individual. Not quite, but it sounds good for the story. Uh, yeah, real so. quick, United States Track and Field Championships, Eugene, Oregon. That is the capital of track and field, and... Uh, the best of the best were running. Walter Dix, I guess you could say, is the fastest man in the country. He won the 100 and the 200, big dog. Walter Dix is a little spark plug, isn't he, Coach? You know, normally uh, these sprinters are all six foot one, 180 pounds besides Usain Bolt. This guy, he, he's about 5'9", like 200. He looks like a fire hydrant getting shot. He's like a little missile. Mm-hmm. So he's he's impressed. I didn't see the championships, but I, he's a heck of an explosive runner. You know, I'll say this about track and field. I don't get to watch it nearly enough, and including this weekend. But uh, the more and the rare occasions I do watch, you know, and you only have so much sports television viewing you can do. But yeah. uh, maybe it's my age. I don't know what it is. But the older I get, the more I enjoy actually watching track and field. Coach, I can tell you exactly where I was for every single 100-meter final since 1984, because 1980 they didn't have an Olympics, and if there was, I would have been able to tell you. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I can tell you the whole story leading up, yeah. and, and, like, and then the, the decathlons, I absolutely love the decathlons, Coach. Though, when those the decathlons come down to the last 1,500 meters, mm-hmm. I don't, honestly, I think that might be, for me, the greatest thing in sports. I'm not kidding you. When you actually have, like, two guys that are racing to determine after the 10 events what's going yeah. on. You know, if, if it comes you know. down to that, that's pretty cool. But I'm a little bit different than you. The 100 meters is impressive to watch just because of the unbelievable speed and power upon which they run. But I'm more of a 800-mile guy, even the Both 400. Are. I like to see a race unfold, a little bit of strategy, a little bit of overcoming pain. The 100 meters is like, boom, boom. And, again, impressive with its speed and power. But uh, I'm a long-distance guy. You know, I, I can understand that. You do whatever, and I have to admit those eight hundred, yeah, those eight hundred meter runs are awesome. The miles are awesome too. Yep. So, yep. Um, yeah, I'm not putting those down whatsoever. I, I, when the Olympics come around, I try not to miss it, coach. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, so and then the U.S. Championships. I mean, those are almost as good. Yeah. And speaking of Eugene, Oregon, I wish I could remember the kid's name, and I'm going to find out who it is. Do you know that recently a high schooler here in the state of Illinois ran under a four-minute mile? Oh, yeah. Lucas Forbiscus. Yeah, I knew his name was Lucas. Guy's unbelievable. This kid, 18 uh, years old. Kid's best friend's dying of cancer. And he dedicated, uh, he's dedicating, he's going to run a triathlon. He's going to do some triathlon mm-hmm. event. And, and at 18, that's crazy because your body has to be like, you're not a good triathlete until you're like 30, 35. Yep. Your body really has to build up that, you know, so, and he's already really good at it. 
and he's going to Oregon next year on a training mm-hmm. scholarship. So. Yeah, uh, Stanford. No, it's Oregon. I don't think but so. It's changed. I think it's Stanford. I, okay, because I was watching on, uh, what do you call it, Comcast? Mm-hmm. I support with that or whatever, and it's yeah. in Oregon a couple. Well, of years. He is a local Chicago area kid who, the last couple of years, has just blossomed, uh, and he is yeah. a, just a cardiovascular machine. It's almost unreal. He he will probably be the next great thing in distance running. Yeah, yeah, Lucas Fabiscus. Every time I say his last name, I say God bless you. All right, real quick, women's LPGA. We got a new star in town. We got to talk about that real quick, big dog. Not too long, but the LPGA held in beautiful Pittsford, New York. And I believe her name is Yanni Sang, 22 years old. That's her fourth major win. She won the freaking LPGA by 10 strokes, blew away the field. She is the Rory McElroy. What's the guy named? Rory McElroy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's the Rory McElroy of uh, female golf right now. Is she from Korea? Yanni Sang. You know, I'm not sure. Okay, because... Uh... T-S-E-N-G is her last name. Oh, yeah, that's most likely Korea. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Uh, she, they, if you're a Korean girl, okay... They, they just put a golf club in your hand, and they say, yeah, that'll work. That's okay. We're going to take her. It's unbelievable. Like, mm-hmm. Half the tournament is uh, from Korea for, on the women's side. Yeah, and she hammers the ball, big dog. I mean, you know, somewhat slight of build, but she absolutely destroys the ball. She's the longest hitter in the game right now in the LPGA Tour. Just like, what's the distance first? She's like driving like 300 yards? Yeah, you know, I got to check that. Maybe not quite 300. Okay, just, just wondering, like, how far yeah. women are hitting the ball. Now. Yeah, but uh, wow, winning it by 10 strokes. So we'll keep an eye on her. Uh, moving quickly along to the Lading Tidbits, Bits and Pieces, part of our Monday version here on the Two Guys in a Mike Show, the CONCACAF Cup, the Soccer Championship, United States in the gold medal game against Mexico. I watched this one taped and watched it in entirety. U.S. takes a 2-0 lead, big dog, in soccer. If you are up two goals, game over. Not the case. Mexico wins 4 to two as the United States defense breaks down. That's how they gave up four consecutive goals, Coach? Yep. Oh, my goodness. Two only. That's, that, that's ugly. Yeah. That's ugly. Now, Aurora was almost set ablaze on Saturday night from what I understand, Coach. I could not have walked the streets. Yeah. That's all I could the have told you. Mexican contingent, very excited. 93,000 folks at the Rose Bowl. Watching that soccer match, a very pro-Mexican crowd. You gotta love soccer fans. There's no passion or enthusiasm like the soccer fan. And, and I will tell you, big dog, watching it, United States had a 2-0 lead midway through the first half. Mexico was clearly, you could see it from the first two minutes of the game, clearly the better team. Quicker, better with the ball, had probably five times as many shots on goal. So even though we were leading, Mexico was clearly a better team and, and it ended out coming through that way. Coach, how come it's okay for some national, like people that are from America, to root for their national team against the United States, but it isn't right? Like, because like if if the United States is playing Ireland or Poland, I'm rooting for the United States. But like, like if you're Italian, you root for the Italian national team, or if you're Mexican, you root for the Mexican national team against own country that you've lived in your whole entire life. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Yeah. Okay, let's get. So I just don't get that. Okay, I just I don't I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right. It's it's hard to put a right or wrong to it. It's a little odd. But um, I guess a better question would be why. It'd be interesting to talk to some of the folks. and Yeah, just, just yeah. I, I am actually going to bring that up to somebody one day. Mm-hmm. So when we get somebody in here, oh, so you lived in the United States your whole entire life. Uh, you're college educated. you got a good job. And you're rooting for Con- the country's the been good to you. Why aren't you rooting for the United States? 
Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. Well, maybe we have some listeners, soccer fans, that uh, have been in that situation, rooting for the old country, not your current country, and uh, not to criticize. Again, i just uh, no. curious to see the reason why. 888-463-6748. And if you don't speak English very well, we do have uh, bilingual translators available on this show, so not a problem at all. We have a universal translator, too, so somebody from you know anywhere. Wants to give us a golf field Absolutely. 888-463-6748. The phone number staying on the soccer front. Big Dog, the Women's World Cup, one of the great events in the world, sporting events. You talk World Cup, it might be the biggest. Obviously, the guys is bigger than the women's, but it's still a big event. Women's World Cup, it took off yesterday. United States plays tomorrow, I believe. But uh, let the games begin, my friend. Yeah, I watched uh, the second half of the Japan-New uh, Zealand <clears throat> game before I got on, on air coach. Japan committed one foul in the whole second half. Mm-hmm. They, might, they might be the most sportsmanlike people playing a game that I'd ever seen. You know what I mean? Like, they're so, I want to get rough. I want to, you know, oh, let's intimidate these people. All they did was perfect precision passing and perfect, like, trap defense. One foul. And it was all because the opponent was, was out of, like, I mean, like, there was no malice at all in these girls' play. They now comes the million-dollar question. Did they win? They won two to one. Coach. There you they go. Thoroughly dominated a two to one game. Beautiful. At least in the second half, it was uh, these girls were unbelievable. Mm-hmm. The passes that they were doing back and forth. And Japan is not one of the favorites. Well, I, maybe the New Zealand is very bad. Okay, coach, because Japan looked unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I think with the passing they were going, I was great. Japan's like in that third tier of uh, teams getting better potential, but nobody's talking about them for a gold medal. I think Germany, two-time defending champion, the favorite, Brazil. Oh, yeah, Germany, big time. Yeah, Brazil's finished in second place, I think, a couple years in a row. United States is in that next group, and then uh, you got teams like England, France, and Japan. So, uh, Women's World Cup, it'll be fun to watch, and of course, go USA. Uh, Wimbledon tennis, my friend. Wimbledon tennis going on out in beautiful Paris, France. No major upset. Serena Williams has re-entered the field uh, after many injuries, including one very, very serious one, and she's rolling along. I think she's in the fourth round. Venus Williams as well. Andy Roddick is out. But the big dog, you watch any of the uh, grass court tennis at Wimbledon? Uh, yeah, I'll try to get a, I'll try to get a little bit of a, a, a days of that, but I didn't get to obviously watch anything this weekend. And yeah, Andy Roddick, he's my goodness, he why. I know he's like the the best American player, and I'm I, I'm and it kind of bothers me he's the best American player. That guy is so irritable. Okay, it's, he always seems to like have an excuse. He's always upset, and he's always people ask him a tough question after he loses, and he snaps at the reporter. Mm-hmm. Not the reporter's fault that you lost. Don't be getting all high and mighty because oh you're the number one American player. I mean you're not that good. If there was somebody actually good, we wouldn't have to focus on your loss in the second round or where the heck it was. <laughs> you know, so he just uh, the way he was talking to reporters. Oh, you like what do you know about tennis? Basically, he was like, well, who cares then? If you don't want any, uh, mm-hmm. you know, be be a little bit more respectful. Be more respectful to the opponent yeah. that just whipped your butt too. By the way, and that goes to through uh, that same. Words of advice could be sent to all athletes. Andy Roddick has long been, I think you can call him a really, really good tennis player, upper echelon. He has struggled to get to the top, to become that really great player. He just can't quite that take that next step. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, really good means that you want your top five, top ten in the world. Or well, he's, he's been that. High. He's been that. Yeah, you know, so, but he, he's never consistently been up there in a, and, you know, he's never going to be in a Djokovic, Nadal, Federer type realm, which I think we can, Djokovic, I think, could be in the Federer or Nadal realm. We can put yep. him in there, coach. Yep, he's getting there. We should mention there was one big upset, I think, in the first round. 
The winner of the uh, U.S. Open for the women, Lee Na, the fine young lady with four letters in both her first name and last name. Lee Na got upset in the first round, Big Dog, and I know you are a big fan of Lee Na. I was, uh, I'm pretty sure it was the second round, but she was okay. out early, Coach. Yep. She was ousted really early, and, you know, I don't blame her. Think about a, a woman that has one billion people behind her, okay, and she comes home and everyone's telling her how great she is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then, you know, that, you know, sometimes you got to get used to being successful, too. Yep. She was her first major. One billion people were watching that final in, in China. It was like the biggest sporting event in years. And she's pretty young, too, right? Um, I'm going to say she's. She's for a tennis player. She's old, coach. Okay. I, 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 I honestly, I know she's over twenty years old. Okay, so well, for a, a women's tennis player, that's ancient. Yeah, but for someone to have a billion—not million, but billion—people watching her and telling her how great she is and wishing her good luck as she heads off to the greatest of the great, the Wimbledon—that's a lot of pressure for a twenty-two-year-old kid. Oh, it absolutely is, coach. It is. I couldn't agree more with with, with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So it's. Uh, you know that's that's why I'm not about to write her off like uh, it was a fluke when she won the French Open. And mm-hmm. that, let's let's see what happens. I mean, yeah. you're right. I said U.S. Open. It was fluke. the it was the French Open she won, not the U.S. Open. All right, real quick before we get to the baseball action, and this is baseball, but it's not of the major league variety. I know you're a big fan of it. The College World Series. We had eight teams head to Omaha. Elimination has begun. We are down to two big dog down to the nitty gritty of the College World Series. Uh, yeah, and it's going to be a really, really good final coach because uh, you got two teams from what happened to be this year the best baseball conference in America, the SEC. Yep. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And what's really cool is I, I don't think we can get a better matchup in the final right now, Coach, because you have the best team all year in baseball. And I know Virginia had the number one ranky, ranking, and, and Virginia did have better pitching than Florida, slightly better. But Florida's offense is a hundred times better than Virginia's. Florida should never have not been number one all season long. And now they're playing South Carolina, who's last year's champs. And right now we're going on fumes. But when they won last year, they were going on fumes. So it was, uh, it, it, this is one heck of a final going on today, uh, today. So even though Florida has much more talent, much more pitching, speed, everything, it's an even matchup, coach, an even matchup. Yeah, those fumes have been pretty strong, by the way, because I think South Carolina has like won their last eight in a row. I mean, they've un- been unbeaten going to the regionals and the super regionals and the early elimination stage of the College World Series. That's pretty impressive. Well, you win eight had... straight against the best of the best. That's pretty good. Their last two games, though, which they've had two days to rest, but their last two games they've really depended on the bullpen is what, yeah. what I'm talking about, Coach. There was a 13-inning like, thriller, right, where they beat Virginia in 13, 3-2. I was going to tape that game. I did not. That must. I didn't game. see it, but it must have been a dramatic finish. Phenomenal game, Coach. It, it's actually, it, I wouldn't call it, I would call it a traumatic experience. South Carolina committed two errors in the in the final inning to lose the game. You mean Virginia, Virginia did? Virginia. Virginia committed two errors wow. in the final inning. It wow. was hard. To, I was like, oh, man. Because let's face it, I Virginia reminds everybody that watches college baseball of the Rice teams. And Rice will be back, but Rice is like perfect execution, great pitching, fielding, and then all you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, somebody comes up with a big hit and they and all of a sudden they like they dominated the game three to one somehow. And Virginia's been doing that all year. So to lose a game by committing two errors to get eliminated in the final inning, I mean they've had like five games all year with more than one error. Mm-hmm. You know, and they have two in the final inning. Oh, my goodness. Ouch. That's, that's a meltdown for the number were one. They, uh, I don't know if it's the correct expression, but were they walk-off errors? Was it the bottom half of the inning and the game was over? 
Um, no, it was not. But yeah. still, they gave him the lead at that okay. point. All right, so. there's your titillating tidbits, little uh, bits and pieces in the world of sports. Now let's uh, quickly finish up the show, talk a little baseball here. Cubs fans, Sox fans, baseball fans, you want to check in? Love to hear from you. Triple eight four six three sixty seven forty eight. Big dog, your beloved Chicago Cubs take on the Royals again. Decent baseball for the most part. They won the opener, lost the next two. They lose two out of three to Kansas City. Another interleague defeat. Things get tough for our beloved Cup. Don't worry, Coach. The the sunshine is bright ahead. Uh, The World Series 2014. The Cubs beat the Royals. 2014. So Cubs are beating the Royals. I know that's. A long time away for all those diehard uh, bleeding Cub fans. Mm-hmm. Okay, but that the Royals and the Cubs are right uh, right now have the best minor league systems in baseball. And I finally think that the Cubs aren't just going to start trading away four or five of those good minor leaguers to pick up some bum for the final two months of the season to try to make a wild card push. Okay, hopefully those days are done for the Chicago Cubs. Are you with me on my 2014 World Series Chicago Cubs starting lineup of Tyler Colvin at first? No, 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 no. Dar- Colvin, Colvin is a fourth outfielder backup. He is not, we got okay. somebody better than him in the minor. Oh, no, no, no. Colvin will be starting. Colvin's going to be the real deal. Darwin Barney at second. DJ LeMahieu at short. Starlin Castro over the third. Can you go that route? I can go with that. I have no problem with that. Okay. okay. But then again, I would ha- rather have Castro at short. Uh, the kid that they have in the minors right now that is like hitting 350 at, at shortstop and we'll have uh, DJ LeMahieu be the, the super utility guy, the super sub. Okay. All right, so we got to find a first baseman for that 2014. No, no, the, the, the Ryan Harvey kids got, what, 18 home runs at the All-Star break for double 10? Ryan who? What, what, Ryan Harvey. The what? Ryan, what's the Ryan Sweeney Harvey? What's his name, Coach? I don't know. Ryan something, okay, and he's got 18 home runs at the All-Star okay. break. Very excited about that. I did not know the Cubs had a prime prospect at the first base position. They do. Very and, good. Uh, we got Brett Jackson playing center field for the Cubs in 2014. Mm-hmm who is the best outfielder in all of minor league system outside of Mike Trout for the uh, Anaheim Angels. Okay. Brett Jackson, they, were, they wanted to bring up, like, next year. They might have to bring him up, like, tomorrow, Coach. Tyler Colvin in left field and an aging Kosuke Fukudome leading off for your World Series 2014 Cub. Um, <laughs> maybe possibly oh. Colvin out in left yeah. field. Actually, what I'm hoping happened is Brett Jackson's playing right field and the Cubs have everybody is from inside the organization except for one player, Andrew McCutcheon, playing center field. So mm-hmm. Nice. You like that? Nice, I do. We, we do We do what I've always dreamt of yep. doing is build a whole entire team and then go find a cherry on top and drop mm-hmm. it right there. Yep. That's, that's the proper way to build a ball club. You're giving us good optimism for the future, the present. Not looking so good, although uh, I don't want to get in the same mode as a lot of other Cub fans. Yeah, I still actually good. enjoy... Watching this particular Cub team, I think their attitude is a lot better than previous years, and uh, there are some good young players to watch. I don't want to get too negative about the uh, Chicago Cub. How about the White Sox, Big Dog? They uh, lose two out of three again. Really good games, very competitive games against the Washington Nationals. And maybe I should say, instead of how about the White Sox, how about the Washington Nationals? 13 of their last 15, three different managers. They got another manager coming on board now after Riggleman resigned, but the Nationals are hot. They beat the White Sox two out of three. And as you know, that broke the streak for the beloved Sox. They had won 16 or 17, I think, consecutive interleague series. So the streak is broken. Amazing. And and the Washington Nationals aren't hitting the lick, Coach. They're not hitting the lick. And uh, and they're winning. This Jordan Zimmerman kid has been 
phenomenal form. Everybody is pitching well for him. And their bullpen has been locked down. Drew Storen, who, who blew game number one for the, for the Nationals, which they, the White Sox end up blowing in with all the errors in the, in the 12th or 13th, whatever it was. But he's been in a phenomenal closer. He's been as good as anybody else closing games in, in Major League Baseball this year. So they had the, the Nationals are a team to look out for, and their brighter days are ahead of them. There's a, it's funny. It's like if you, when you look at the teams that are really set up for runs in the future, uh, it's it's not the Yankees, Red Sox, mm-hmm. you know, Dodgers. It's it's the Royals, the Nationals, the Pirates, and the Cubs right now. If you really look at how their uh, their rosters are constructed and mm-hmm. what direction they're going in, I just hope the Cubs don't don't mess this up. But the Nationals coach have as much upside as as the Royals or Cubs do, maybe even more because they have the ability of Steven Strasburg is right. They could possibly have a, a kid that is the best pitcher in the game of baseball. Yeah, you forgot about that, Steven Strasburg. They're having that success without their. Uh... Superstar rookie, who of course went down with injury. Now, interestingly, when Jim Riggleman resigned, John McLaren stepped in, interim manager. He was interim for all of about the game and a half. But they've named Davy Johnson, big dog, successful manager from many a year ago. Guy's got to be close to seventy something. I thought it was an odd choice, but the multi-veteran, the aging Davy Johnson, takes over the Young Nationals ball club. You know what, Coach? And as much as I was, uh, like, you know, I kind of. Jumped on Ruggerman a little bit for quitting and all that. Well, you know what? I, I come to find out that Davey Johnson's been at every single national game all year. Mm-hmm. And there was no way Ruggerman was, he was going to take the job next year. That was like kind of like the thing that was going to happen. So when, when they wouldn't, ex, you know, give an extension or anything, Ruggerman was a little upset because he's like, why? He kind of like heard through the grapevine that they were going to replace him with Davey Johnson. Mm-hmm. So, um, that I think the Ruggerman thinks I might have been a little, cause I don't know how I would have reacted to. You know what I mean? If my successor was always at the games. and um, Yeah, that and, part I was not aware of. Overall, I did not like the move of Riggleman. Oh, no, and I, I still don't. To this day, yeah. I still don't like the move of Riggleman. Mm-hmm. But I, I can understand it a little bit more. Um, you know, because I come like, that doesn't seem like Riggleman just quitting on a team. Yes. Yeah, which is very unlike, the, you know, Jimmy Riggleman. You can say what you want about his managing, but the guy's a bit of solid, upstanding guy, very high of moral Character well respected by the players, so it was it was an odd and somewhat unexpected move from usually very down to earth conservative Jimmy Riggleman. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, Sox lose two out of three. They got a day off. They'll be taking that Colorado. We got to mention uh, uh, Phil Umber again. Even in defeat, he gave up a home run to Espinosa in the seventh, but uh, he had a shutout up until then. Another outstanding pitching performance from Phil Umber, who's been unbelievable. Big dumb. Yeah, coach. Uh, the the MVP would uh, the, what do you call it, uh, the pitching staff for the for the White Sox so far mm-hmm. this year and uh, they found themselves a gem coach because if you if you think about his stuff I mean the, the power sinker I mean that's that's the nowadays pitch isn't it just let them hit it but just make sure they hit it on the ground mm-hmm. you know, and then and hopefully uh, Ramirez and, and Beckham would vacuum it up. And on the other side of it, you had uh, Levon Hernandez throwing the ball like slow. Slower and slowest. He was throwing like 80, 70, even a couple of pitches at 60 miles an hour. Big dog, and he still got the White Sox out. That kid was amazing. That kid, that veteran was amazing. Well, you know what? If I'm sure if they saw him every day, they would start pounding him. Okay, but when you're used to 94 mile an hour power sinkers, you know, and uh, I mean, and stuff, like that, and all of a sudden you're you're throwing a guy who's will throw a fastball. 
at, right in your eyes at 82 miles an hour, and it seems like it's 98 because the previous pitches he threw were a 64-mile-an-hour curveball in the outside corner, mm-hmm. a 77-mile-an-hour slider way outside that you couldn't hit, but you swung at it because, you know, you know just stuff like that. It's crazy, Coach. But when he's bad, he's bad. I mean, he gets hit around when he gets hit around. It's funny. He's either dominant or really bad when he's out there on the mound. Yeah, we don't got time to get into the baseball round him up, wrap him up today. As we uh, got to wrap up the show, we should close by uh, mentioning two obits over the weekend. One, Columbo's very own Peter Falk, famous actor, passed away, big dog, and one of the original... I think the original sportscaster for CNN Sports. He tragically got cancer, battled it the last couple of years. Nick Charles, a Chicago guy, by the way, started off as a cab driver, passed away. So we lost Peter Falk and sportscaster Nick Charles over the weekend. Oh, Nick, Nick Charles, that's too bad. I loved Nick Charles because I didn't know he was from Chicago. Yep. And 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 was following his dream, doing something else. So that's that's really cool about. Uh, I didn't know that about Nick Charles. All that good stuff. So. All right, beautiful. Did he, did he kill his wife? Pardon me? Did, was Peter Falk the one who was... No, no, no. Who's he thinking of, Dave? Robert Blake. Oh, Robert Blake. My fault. Yeah. Peter Falk. My fault. Yeah. What happened Falk. to that? Is Robert Blake, did he ever go to jail for that? I think he went to Belize for that. <laughs> no, I, I believe he, I believe he got off, didn't he? Boy, I forgot yeah, I about that. Did. That was... Boy, that was an odd case. At the restaurant, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that one. All right. Big Dog, we got to wrap it up. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 10. Be safe today. And I know you'll be watching the Women's World Cup and the College World Series and reporting to us on the highlights tomorrow. Yeah, and I'll be doing nothing else. Just sitting around my house vegetating. All right. I'll uh, try to find a kayak and see if I can tip over and maybe come save me. Why don't you meet me this week, Coach? <laughs> All right. Have a great day, everybody. David Olson, our producer. Thank you so much. We'll see you at 10 o'clock tomorrow. TalkZone.com. Two guys and one mic. Signing off. We'll see you tomorrow.